0: In, sit back, relax, and listen to episode 144 of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, founder of Ezra Group Consulting. This podcast features interviews, news, and analysis on the trends and best practices around wealth management technology. Our topic for this month is artificial intelligence, machine learning, and predictive analytics. We've lined up some awesome guests for you, and they're going to talk about the latest advances in AI ML in the wealth management space. And I'll be introducing today's guest, who happens to be Brian McLaughlin from Redtail, in just a second. But first, let me expound on how important data is to the success of any AI-based initiative at your firm or any technology-driven initiative or program. This is why Ezra Group launched our data assessment service for enterprise wealth management firms. We conduct an in-depth review of all your data sources, downstream consumers, upstream providers, data utilization, and deliver a comprehensive strategy and roadmap to get your data architecture under control. For more information on Ezra Group's data architecture service, or our data assessment service, go to ezragroupllc.com. A couple of quick housekeeping notes before we continue. Please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Make sure to check out our sponsor, the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation, at investinothers.org. And now let's kick this thing off. And I'm so excited to introduce my guest for this episode. It's Brian McLaughlin, CEO and founder of Red Tail Technology. Brian, hey, man, what's doing? What's up, man? How are you, Craig? It's great to see you. I am excellent. Welcome. Glad you can make it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. I'm sorry we had to reschedule this a couple of times. Uh, It's a great topic we're going to cover today. And uh, I've been looking forward to this.
0: We had to reschedule a couple of times because you were a little busy. Yeah. A couple of things going on. Surprise,
1: some big news. (laughs) It was a surprise. It was. It was probably one of the best kept secrets out there. Um,
0: People were telling me, don't you, didn't you know? I'm like, no, he kept kept it a secret. Didn't tell anybody. Nope, nope. We kept
1: it down to a really small group of people and took care of business. And yeah, I was super excited to be able to announce our acquisition by Orion. It's amazing. It's going to be a fun journey. I can't wait.
0: I can't wait to see what you guys do. So if you want, we're not talking about that today. No, we're you to not. Learn more about uh, Orion acquiring red tail technology. Google it and you'll hit the press releases and, and articles and, and stuff on and the trade mags. You can also go to a podcast that I did with uh, my good friend, Kristen Schmidt, the day it was announced. Uh, and Brian, you you liked that podcast. I did. Good job, Craig. Uh,
1: okay, yeah, you know, I think I identified a couple of things uh, just to clear some air real quick. Uh, you identified a couple of things that we weren't clear on. One is, will you be able to get Red Tail like in August or September, October, or whatever on its own standalone? Yes, you will be able to still do that. Is there going to be some big pricing changes in all this? No. What we're really going to be focusing on, uh, Eric and I, are the integration opportunities and the synergies and really tying things together. And that's a big part of what I think we're going to talk about today. Uh, one, one chunk of it is all the stuff we've been doing, I've been working on from the AI, ML, uh, experience we're working on, I get access to like so much more data. I, 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 if you've ever known me or listened to any of my podcasts with you or anybody else, you'll, you'll know I'm a total nerd. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to go too over the head of everybody, but um, yeah, I love access to the data and I love what the visibility i will
0: be able to have going forward. It's going to be really cool. Well, uh, we're nerds together, which is why we get along. And uh, I think a lot of people listening to this podcast are also nerds. So feel free to geek out as much as you want. Yeah. yeah, definitely want to go as deep. So um, thanks for the, for the kudos on the podcast. We, Chris and I really enjoy doing it. And we, and we just like talking about this stuff. But this podcast is about um, artificial intelligence, machine learning, natural language processing, predictive analytics, because that's what's going on on our podcast this month. We're talking to a lot of other uh, vendors who are doing similar things. But I really want to kind of dive deep. Can you just give us a quick overview of, first of all, why you decided to get into um, machine learning and natural language processing for Redtail, what was the impetus for you to start looking into this?
1: Yeah, so uh, fantastic question. So if we go back a few years now, I think it's about four years when I said, hey, we're gonna start a program to start doing a strategy around AI, uh, but really more machine learning and natural language processing those segments of AI. Uh, it was really advertised as like, hey, we have a ton of data that we're not really using as well or as intelligently as we could what can we extract out of uh, advisor data to make more meaningful inferences to a client experience or to uh, maybe for marketing purposes, maybe for uh, next opportunities, stuff like that. So we started digging in, you know, and one thing that I said back then was we had billions of emails and it just keeps growing over the last couple of years, even way higher than that. And so I started targeting that as an opportunity to extract information and, we really started saying, hey, if we want to get into the ML space because financial services is not really there yet. It's kind of doing chat bots. It's kind of doing a little bit here and there. You get the robo-advisor doing some stuff, uh, but nothing on a large scale. And you ha- it takes so long to ramp us, this up, so long to get the experience and the training and all the models learned uh, that, you know, that's why I announced, I said, hey, we're going to get started. This is going to be a strategy for 10 years. And now we're kind of looking at it saying, hey, what are we coming out of it after three or four years of work? Uh, what have we seen? What have we learned? what did we not learn? Uh, for one, we learned it's extremely tough. Let's just start there. It is not easy. And the reason, I mean, the technology itself is relatively easy um, as far as how to make it do something, right? How to have code do X and say, tell me what this means, right? But the problem is you can end up with so many false positives and negatives that could skew a potential uh, advice or suggestion wildly, and you see this in YouTube, you see this in Netflix, other places as well, where you know looking at one video different than you normally do can change your entire uh, space of recommendations so fast. But in financial services, we're really, really concerned because if I say, "Hey, this person's a great candidate for this account," or uh, you know something like that, or maybe, hey, their risk tolerance is not aligned with their accounts and so forth. If I get that wrong and tell you to do something, you know everybody's liable and it just looks, it's egg in the face, right? It's just terrible and it's not an experience that we want. So really spending a ton of time on trying to identify and weed out the ends of uh, either side of the false positives and negatives, right? Because we would run things through where we would say, hey, let's do sentiment analysis, which I think, is going to be huge for advisors to understand like who their detractors and who their influencers are in their business. Sentiment analysis really helps with that, but one or two wrong phrases if the models are not trained accurately for your type of speech can throw it
0: way off. And, okay, so hold on a second. So, what? So, can you describe what you mean by false positive and a false negative?
1: Yeah. So, uh, a false positive would be something like uh, it's almost tone has taken into place. Uh, you, know, you know, you ever text somebody and it gets misread, misprocessed, miscommunicated. No,
0: no, that's, that's never happened. Today. <laughs> that's I don't what understand I mean. what, you, what do you mean by that.
1: Yeah, we can Google a million, a million. Misread, misread a text. Yeah, exactly. Never. So it's the same way with natural language processing. If you just take the words in the order that they're in and when they get ranked and when they get processed for sentiment, let's say, you can skew a positivity way high or way low just by like using the word great. Or what if you put an exclamation point, but didn't mean to? You meant to put a question mark. That influences what that means. So you have to look at a larger scale of data, a larger pool of data to really identify, is this truly a positive or negative sentiment? Or, you know, most of the cases, they're neutrals. So you're throwing in and out a lot of data and we're looking for like spikes say hey, okay, if it's way over here on a positivity rating and you read it and you're like, no, wait, that was actually a negative sentiment. What, how do we adjust for that? How do we, ac- you know, accommodate, Okay, toss that out and we're gonna say, that's not gonna be a strong positive. Here's where you really are. So you're almost playing like a law of averages uh, when you're looking at a sentiment. And we're trying to get to the accuracy as close as we can. Uh, sentiment's always tough. Pulling out things like entities, keywords, much, much simpler. And we should talk about some of that too.
0: So going back, you, you um, talk about sentiment analysis. Can you explain what you mean by that?
1: Yes. So. Sentiment analysis is basically the natural language processing for people to identify if somebody's talking positively, neutrally, or negatively about something, right? If I say, oh man, that was totally great. Well, we have our tone and our voice that helps us decide, oh, that was kind of flat, Brian. So if I say, hey, that was really great, you know, well, that's pretty positive, Brian. But we don't have that in the text. So we have to use other things in the way the, the language is written and process to understand, is it positive or negative? And explanations and punctuations and so forth uh, help us identify that. Uh, but sentiment, basically what we're looking for is to see, think of like net promoter score, like an NPS score. You know, They say, hey, one to 10, you keep the top two, you keep the bottom three, everybody in the middle you just kind of toss out. Those are your influencers, those are your detractors. Well, if we can take sentiment from every conversation you ever had with your client, right? If we can take the messaging or the text messaging, Heck, even a, a letter and take that, that content, can we determine whether this is a client that might turn, like that might turn over and, and you lose, right? Because they're talking kind of negatively. You're not seeing a lot of positivity, not a lot of excitement. So if that's the case, we should target that and say, maybe we should change the way we deliver our experience. Maybe there's something else going on in that client that we should unravel and dig into to make a better experience for them and to have a happy client. On the flip side, we could take the influencer side Say, these are people maybe I should introduce to other prospects. These are people who are like raving fans. Like at Redtail, we always, have, we always say, build raving fans. I think that's core to basically any business, really. You should all be building raving fans every day. So if we can take those influencers and know who they are automatically through the machine learning, we can then build groups and say, let's target them and say, hey, can you introduce me to some friends? Or I have some people that are maybe coming over into my business and we have this event going on. Can you please join? Because I don't want to invite a detractor, right? right? If you invite a detractor to that meeting, <laughs> it's going to go south. <laughs> There's a good chance of that. Right. So uh, that's what sentiment analysis is going to really help us do.
0: So uh, all the things you're doing now, so I, I just want to roll back a little bit. I remember speaking to you about this for the first time at the InvestNet conference, like in 2018. Yeah. You were so excited, like, this is what we're doing. It's going to be really cool. But you're also talking about things how difficult it was to clean the data because things like the word for, like 401k is it yeah. numbers 401k is it part of a is it part of a phone number is it part of a an amount is it is it really the the 401k um, account type? You can talk about like how difficult it is to clean the data and some of the things you learned when you're trying to clean the data.
1: Yeah, especially when it came to acronyms or. Short phrases for things in the financial services industry, whether like you said 401k, when it's spelled out like a beneficiary IRA, like that makes sense. I can tag that object and say this is a financial account we're talking about here. But if you start shortening those things, or you 401k like 401 just K, 401 parentheses K, uh, there's a dash, there's a million variations of this. We get rid of all the extra little characters and so we just squish them together and say 401k. But what does that mean in context? Because you're right. What if I said, hey, I need 401k to buy this house? Well, we're not talking about my retirement account. We're not talking about cash and dollars. And so we've actually had to build a whole linguistic set that said these type of phrases if around these other words, if it's this, it means this. So we translate it into a normalized state to say any variation of the 401ks we just talked about. When we identify properly, we'll tag to just a 401k is what we're talking about. Because what I don't really care about that, you said 401k, I care about that the conversation is involving their retirement account. That's what matters because with that piece of data, if we know you're talking about that, I can start grouping things together. I can start looking for other pieces of data somewhere else, whether it's documents or uh, another connection somewhere else or prep an email for a client, knowing we're talking about their retirement account. That's uh, what's so tricky, and there's a million other variations of that. It's wild. Or like people will always say, like, or how about your Roth? Well, that's great, but sometimes Roth, but a lot of people capitalize the R. It could be a last name. Are we talking about Roth? Are we talking about Roth? <laughs> that's really confusing, right? <laughs> uh, I, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of those nuances that we have to keep working on, uh, but we're getting better at that. So. It just, what it is is you train these models to say, when I see these patterns, I most likely mean X. So if I say, uh, if I see a string that says, I'm looking to invest into my IRA. Okay, we're talking about a retirement account, individual retirement account, investing. We can get a couple of those key phrases. We know we're talking about a retirement financial account, right? Or if we say, hey, I'm looking to withdraw money from my IRA. Okay, now we have an action associated, which is withdrawal. We have one to invest, now we have a withdrawal. We can tie these together and now start doing the next step of all this, which is building the data segment to say, they're looking for an action on something. So if you think about it, you go, hey, they want to withdraw from their IRA. That can start a workflow, just that one message. So that's really where I'm trying to get this, is that down the road, I want to automatically Bubble it up and make an action item for the advisor or a staff and say, they just sent this email in 30 seconds ago. It says they want to withdraw from an IRA for XYZ, maybe. It's automatically added the workflow, started it, put that content in there, and now it's actionable in real time. That would be huge. So, uh, we also, I think, we're going to see a lot of that expand into our speak platform because as tech scene with advisors gets more and more uh, ubiquitous in how we work for advisors, right? It's just, it's gonna become a standard uh, that we can start talking via text and doing things that if the same message comes in, why can't I bubble up right to the advisor in the texting and say,
0: sure, cool. You're talking about this account or this account and I'll prompt them action-wise. Those are the- While they're texting, sort of like um, when you used to leave memos to people, like memo to my assistant, please do this. Yes. In the, the client could say, I want to invest in my 401 so, ks okay, we will take care of that. And they'll know that means to kick off an action. Exactly.
1: So, uh, even if it is something, I mean, I still believe it should be consensual action. So, it should be something that the advisor or the staff says execute, right? But there's things that we can prep in advance. Like, when we go back to those workflows and stuff, and you said, hey, you have a IRA withdrawal workflow for a client. Well, a couple of steps, you know, verify things, which account, all the steps. Um, we can start all that without consent. And then when they actually start working the workflow that becomes the consent item. So there's some interesting twist on that too. Cause I think the, one of the big fears I know I have and I think a lot of advisors would have as machine learning and AI gets more and more into built into their solutions is that we don't want to take action without our knowledge. Like I always look at it from my business I don't want to be surprised ever. Like I love data. So give me the data early and let me make a decision but maybe prompt me with suggestions that would help a lot. That would really save me a lot of time. Mm-hmm. and Especially things like you know, the brain works so differently and so much more powerful than any computer that if you just glance at you, you would already know, your head already knows, oh, I want to do this. Well, if the software can already prompt you with two or three choices and one of them is going to be that choice, you one click, you're done, and it
0: executes. That'd be pretty cool. It's like uh, I was at the InvestNet conference this past week in Charlotte yeah. and Bill Crager was on stage and he re- uh, was reminding us of a, of Garry Kasparov, who was at a previous conference talking about, you know, the hybrid machines and humans are yeah. way more powerful than either.
1: Yes, 100%, 1,000%. Uh, it, it, the human brain is just, I mean, it's a masterpiece of engineering really. When you think about Wet, it. Wetware, <laughs> it, right? What's that?
0: It's wetware. Yeah, yeah, totally wetware, there we go. we are just it, moist computers.
1: Yeah, it's phenomenal. And the processing powered computers can't do it. Um, The computers don't have the nuance. We're programming the nuances into it to kind of understand what humans mean. And you have to get into quantum computing, some really advanced stuff way beyond financial services for sure uh, to get into that type of AI. But if you combine the two and put some intelligence like that human brain power with some automated processing, that's
0: a huge win still. And that's where you're talking about the suggestions where don't take action, but have the AI, ML, Bubble up what it thinks are the top three suggestions and let the advisor pick. Yes, exactly.
1: So, and then enable that. The job of us from the software side is to make it that that one suggestion when they hit that, it's automatic. It just does a whole bunch of other series of steps behind the scenes. Um, that's going to really improve efficiency and effectiveness for advisors, because then
0: you can support. Them. 10 times as many clients right? right i mean you should be able to do that i mean uh, red tail is full of workflows with a workflow engine right yes but we don't know which workflow to start for somebody
1: automatically we, we can't suggest the workflow yet
0: right So, so i'm saying you can link them idea. together once you can suggest then you can go right into red tails predefined workflows bingo yep that's exactly where we're going with so that. is any of this live yet only in
1: test cases nope there's nothing live. Uh, we've done a few betas here and there with clients, but we haven't actually pushed it out for production. It's not ready yet. It's getting closer and closer. I think what we're going to see us doing more on the components of AI, which is more of the natural language processing and machine learning, I think uh, a couple of things. One, extraction of data from documents. So we have our new red tail imaging coming out here in the next month or so. And one of the key tenants of that is to extract data out of those documents to identify fields of information that may be, like for the example, the use case that we're building for is you upload a client document, let's say every, an application for an account. As you upload that, you find there's a mismatch between your CRM client data and the document data. That should be popped up and flagged to you instantly. Now, I mean, it could mean that the account data is right on the form, but that could mean your CRM is out of date. If we can make sure that you're aware of those type of inconsistencies, that's where we can really apply some of this machine learning and do some really cool stuff. So you're going to see that starting to pop up. Um, extraction of data and then um, really automate more paperwork, right? Or getting rid of paperwork. I, I hate paperwork. So uh, it should all be digital, I think, in my world. And if we can get rid of some of that and say, hey, I did upload a document that had XYZ in it. Maybe it was a trust document or a will or something like that. Why is that not checking up and notifying other people or other systems saying, cool, they've uploaded that. They've completed more of a profile. They've, there's so many things we can do on that front. But right now, the way the world is, we scan a document or take a picture on our phone or whatever, attach it to our books or records, and we have to mainly tag everything down the line. And if you get anything wrong, it's a mistake, go fix it. It's just time consuming. So the goal is to eliminate all of that 100% and say, we know exactly what type of document it says. And that's cool because most documents like that have a look and feel to them all. They're always consistent, you know, mm-hmm. or relatively consistent, so.
0: Relatively consistent is the key.
1: Well, sometimes you get the big bar. I, I'm looking for an example here at my desk, but sometimes you scan something you have a big bar, you know, sort of and well, that just screwed up all your processing opportunity. Uh, sometimes they're just flat out mistakes. Sometimes uh, handwritten notes just don't convert, you know. All those type
0: of things happen, too. I'd like to take a break from this episode to talk about our sponsor, the Invest in Others Foundation. The Invest in Others Foundation is running the Invest in Others Awards, which is a program that recognizes the charitable work of financial advisors in communities across the country and around the world. Awards are presented at their signature event, the annual Invest in Others Awards Gala. Over 600 advisors and financial services executives attend this premier event to celebrate those individuals that actively give back to their communities. I've gone to, I think, the last three award galas. They had to cancel it for COVID, and then they canceled it again last year, uh, 2021. Uh, It was normally in September, October timeframe, but hopefully they'll have it again this year. So there are five categories of awards that recognize uh, recognize the distinct ways that advisors have made a difference through their work with a nonprofit. So the nominations deadline is April 1st. That's less than a month. Just go to investinothers.org and you can click on the nominate, uh, click here to nominate link and nominate an advisor. Um, If they win in one of the five categories, which are Catalyst Award, Community Service Award, Volunteer of the Year Award, lifetime achievement award and emerging impact award. They can win, let's say, finalists in all categories receive $25,000 for their charity. The winners in the Catalyst Community Service, Next Gen and Volunteer of the Year categories receive $50,000. The advisor who uh, receives the lifetime achievement award receives $75,000. That's a lot of money for a charity, can really help I've uh, been lucky enough to be on the, the nominated committee, the, no, the awards committee, the judging committee for a bunch of these different awards. It's really hard. These advisors do some great work, both local communities in the US, in South America, in Central America, in Africa, in Asia, across the world, uh, and right here at home. All kinds of great uh, stories, great charities that help people of all uh, ages, shapes, and sizes. You should. uh uh, nominate someone and also donate your company will probably match your donation which provides twice the benefit please go to investinothers.org. thanks so you've been doing this for four years yeah so what are some of the biggest takeaways what are the things you've learned in these four years of of going through the data trying to make it work trial and error of the billions and billions of pieces of data you have
1: Oh yeah, massive, of data I've processed. Um, The It's interesting because we anonymize everything. So for one, you know, we're, we try and bubble up, like we're you, dealing with 20,000 firms and we're trying to normalize the data across them all. So when we're talking about a financial plan and we're talking about budgeting for a client or something, then it means the same across all 20,000 firms. And that's really, really tricky to do. Um, we have, there's common sentiments in the ways people talk, there's common or patterns that people talk, there's common patterns around um, order of events that people generally follow in their lives. And so taking all this information with the processing and tagging it has been the biggest effort we've had to do. So building the lingu- linguistic list we talked about, uh, whether it's uh, identifying financial terms, that was a big project. Because uh, you run it through and you realize, I got, well, I think I got most of them. And then here's a thousand more that just popped up when we scanned another set of data. Uh, and so that anonymization and that, that trying to normalize it, that's been the biggest learning curve, I think, more than anything else. The model training, I, I believe I've probably done it 100 times at this stage. Uh, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm probably exaggerating a bit, but where we go through and we try to model the sentences and the, the way people talk. Uh, it's really just tricky. We've even tried some big automated solutions. We've done the AWS, the Google Cloud, uh, using third-party solutions. Uh, But we were shocked at how disparate it was from what our work was doing. So theirs is just so generalized for the world that to really get it into a financial services lingo, it requires us to do the same amount of effort and just apply it to their stuff. So we just keep doing it
0: internally. Uh, other things we've learned. Uh, Hold on a second. So, yeah. can you talk about processing and tagging? What, do you, what does it mean by when you say tagging? What are you tagging? What is?
1: Yeah. So, what we're tagging um, are what a word or a phrase means. Is it money? Like, so you're putting a classification on a word or a phrase, right? So, that 401k example is still a great example. If 401k is a dollar amount or is it a financial account, what are we talking about here? Uh, if we say Poland, are we talking about the country? Yes. If we say Polish, are we talking about the language of the people? Which? That matters. So you have to take a little more context and you would tag it and say, cool, these are geopolitical entities. These are corporations. These are people's full names. Uh, Like the names have been one, actually another one that pops my head. Another big struggle of ours is identifying names. Because most are pretty straightforward. But when you get into initials, or shorthand nicknames and stuff like that, you can really screw that up too. So it's that- uh, names just,
0: that match yeah. other things.
1: It matches everything else, yeah. Or it doesn't match at all. Or we've had a, or the word, my name, Brian, pops up as a country sometimes. It's, it has to do with the way that it's used in the sentence. So sometimes, it, it's not necessarily like a country, but like a geopolitical entity. And be like, oh, Brian's like an organization. Like, no, he's not, It's a person. Like. But here's another trick,
0: right? It depends right? how they, my, how they pronounce
1: it. My name is always misspelled brain. I mean, the <laughs> accident people always do they get the A and the I flip, you know, it's a like, Well, just messed up everything. <laughs> so it's, you know, you, you gotta really just extrapolate like what the real meaning is and not specifically the details so much. So the tagging that we're talking about is us going through saying, the computer doesn't realize what the sentence says, what's it referring to? Is it positive or negative sentiment? Those type of things means this. Now we can use that for future learning.
0: Yeah. Interesting. So we've got the you know, the the, uh, the normalization of data, and sharing terms mean the same thing, common speech patterns. Um, what about identification of signals? So how hard is that to do? And and what are some of the things you learned when you're trying to identify signals in all this data?
1: This one was an interesting one. This one um, is something that I was really passionate in starting early on, which was the identifying of signals basically mean, can you determine a future action based on some content, right, interactions with, with people. So how can we identify and tell you that the client's ready to do college planning? I mean, there's the obvious, ask the client. Call her and say, hey, <laughs> you ready? No. Okay. I'll check back in a quarter. Yeah. Versus you also may have just raw data. You may have things like the kid's date of birth. Okay, cool. Well, they're about college age. It's about time, right? Well, in all your communication, your texting, your messaging, everything else, your meeting notes is all the information actually that identifies when it should be time, right? When's a good time to address a topic with a client? And so the signal identification is actually really interesting because it's, actually, it's not as hard as some of the other things we've talked about. It's actually something you do based on history. Like, okay, we, we have some basic stats of a client relationship, husband and wife, partners, or whatever it might be. We have their date of birth. We have their net worth. We have all these factors. What are they talking about now as what's important? What have you have been plugging into your meeting notes that may be identified as important to them? And they may mention three, four years in advance Oh, yeah, it'd be awesome if my kid went to Oregon University, right? Okay, cool. Well, that's still way too far. I don't want to start talking about that. But you can tag that in the back and say, Oregon University, three years, cool. Start doing the calculations and the algorithm automatically identifies and says, a potential time is in three years from now, so I'll be ready to tell you in three years that you should talk to your client about their kid's college planning right. and where and how much. You can do all these kind of crazy cool things in advance
0: uh, automatically with the intelligence. Or you might catch an email where the client's talking about their child plays soccer. And you might yeah. say, well, maybe they're gonna get a scholarship or maybe they're interested in this type of person. So you would be looking to that.
1: Yeah. Or how about uh, even just simpler things? I mean, what if it's like, uh, like in Sacramento here, we have a Triple A baseball team. What if I knew I had a couple extra tickets? Who are the clients that actually would appreciate that? Sure, I can call my top client and offer it, but what if my top client's like, I don't care. I'll- baseball. I like basketball. What the heck are you talking about? Like, cool. Thanks. But what if you could give it to somebody who actually was it, it meant something meaningful to them, right? That's a huge win for you from your business standpoint, if you get the right person to the right spot. So you right. can use that information for them as well.
0: Like when you and I talk, you were always talking about, we should go uh, skiing or snowboarding. Absolutely. I, know what I like? Yep. I mean, can we do a uh, mix? Can we do snowmobiling? We could do that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe
1: anything I mean,
0: cold—that'd really, be cool. <laughs> anything cold weather related, I'm good at. Yes. <laughs> good. So uh, we got that. So we have identification of signals, and um, I think was there anything else? What is there anything else I missed that you that you learned in this whole process that you wanted to? share? I think that chatbots were just too soon. I think I think we're going to see a rise of those again. I
1: hate um, chatbots. I hate stupid chatbots. When are we going to get smart chatbots? You're getting there, though, right? I mean, I've seen this in some applications. It's starting to get there where it actually can do the actions for you. I mean, even the Amazon stuff for refunds and all that is getting better and better every day. I think when you've seen the chatbots that automatically connect you intelligently to a human that can solve your problem if you need it, that's that'd be really cool. But I think chatbots are just a tad early. Same with robo-advisors, right? I mean, it's just the technology was just too early. It came out hard and strong, uh, but it had a lot of flaws and gotchas. And as we learn more and more about client relationships, we can actually do insightful, meaningful chatbots that feel almost human. I mean, it's gonna be kind of creepy. You remember the story about, I mean, what was it? It probably was about four years ago when Facebook turned on one of the chatbots that they built and they started arguing and talking their own language. I mean, I think that's the Skynet is still in the back of everybody's head, right? That this is gonna take over the world, but that's never been the intent. The intent's always- was
0: also the, the Facebook chatbot that after a day of running and on you know out in the public, became racist.
1: Oh my gosh, I forgot about that one. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs>
1: well, it's, we're not computers, obviously, so it's like you're well, all against me. yeah.
0: <laughs> the one thing with chatbots, I want to say that there's a I can't remember which which um, vendor had a chatbot. It was either my cable company or the um, phone company, but it was it was you know um, it was so wasn't a chatbot. It was interactive voice response. So yeah. you can tell it's a computer, and it says, "Hold on, I'm looking it up for you." And then it would go, tick, 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 tick. "I know a your computer. You're not you're not typing anything. Why are you doing that?"
1: Because <laughs> it's trying to build that bridge of connection with people who just don't get technology. It's trying to
0: fool me to think that it's really a human typing on a yeah, keyboard. Yeah, it's really not at all. Yeah, it's just a sound bite. You know, okay. they're just and literally query to run. <laughs> you go a little, a little too far with that stuff. Awesome. So what what can we expect in the future? Um, is there anything on the roadmap coming soon around AI, machine learning, NLP that's feeding other other new things for besides the uh, Redtail Imaging?
1: Yeah, so Redtail Imaging, we're going to focus some on uh, Redtail Speak as well, uh, looking at what we can do for that real-time comms. And that's where the chatbot kind of comes back a little bit. And I think it's going to still be the one side of the chatbot right now, which is to the advisor, to the staff, which is saying, suggesting actions they can just do real quick based on the texting going on, rather than, your client text and it's an automated response like that. Um, Cause I don't think, I know we're not there yet, but I also don't know if the clients are necessarily there yet. Um, the other things I want to see are when should we do something, is bringing up that um, informed decision-making, right? We're starting to see some of our integration partners just using our data to identify things like, uh, for example, Ladder Life. They did an integration that will identify people who maybe are targets for potential term insurance. Right, Server. and they can automatically create an opportunity back into the system. Well, taken to the next step will be actually connecting those dots and saying one click, application done, and it's ready to go. You've already opened it up and it's been attached to your client accounts and everything's ready to go through Ladder life. Like, that'd be really cool. Uh, actually, that's halfway there. So <laughs> it, it is already cool. Even better. Uh, yeah, and so, I, I think that, I think we're also gonna see a lot of this popping up more and more in the risk, risk space, and the planning space, uh, adaptively saying, hey, well, right now, market's crashing and we're recording this, right? I don't know if it is today. No, it's up today, okay, so we're good. But it's been a rough couple cycles, right? And so now if we can apply that to the risk, the planning and everything else, auto adjust everything in the, in the moment, especially if you start adding to your CRM data that says, okay, this client is kind of a nervous Nelly over here, we should be acting on it really fast. Uh, that can be a huge win as well. That's where the machine learning and the AI can bubble that up and say, these are the people you really got to care about during a high, a low, uh, whatever crisis might be going on in the world.
0: Yeah. And that's what it's all about. It's a huge wins. You want want to see these wins build up over time so that advisors and clients feel comfortable. Yeah, it should be
1: be nearly invisible to them, right? It should be just seamless. It should be part of their 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 life flow, their, their workflow, their life, you know, just like it just happens. It's not something magical, not something you just turn on. It's just intuitive. And that's, I think, where it will win and finally come out. But we're so close. I mean, we obviously have it with Alexas and stuff like that. We just got to get it now into the actual business uh, portion of our lives and put it into their the firms and get that going. Once we do, sky's the limit. Once people take
0: it off. We need it to be ubiquitous, intuitive, and seamless. Yes. He's Great, Ryan. We reached the end. I what? Really what? Time.
1: Yeah. Oh no no no! We got at least another hour for these podcasters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we should do like a Joe Rogan, like a three-hour interview. A three-hour
1: podcast? Yeah. If that's the case, though, I'm gonna need some bourbon and maybe some outdoor seating. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll schedule that. All right, let's do this. Come up to Tahoe and join me. And uh, we can hang out on the deck and uh, talk all things tech. Done. I'm going to
0: book that. Don't think I won't. Cool. So, uh, Brian, so I'm going to say everyone who wants to learn more about uh, Redtail, please go to redtailtechnology.com and sign up if you're an advisor and learn more about uh, what they've got going on. And I I really appreciate you being here and sharing with us, Brian, so much. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you again soon. We, We saw each other at T3. Uh, two weeks ago and in person for like five minutes and hopefully we'll bump into each other again somewhere.
1: Yep. and I'll probably, will I see you at WealthStack?
0: Uh, no, not oh, that. But, uh, maybe
1: I'll see some of your listeners at WealthStack. Yes,
0: you'll see, well, you'll see people who listen to the podcast, which is hopefully yeah. everybody.
1: I'm excited. I'm joining a great think tank uh, session on diversity and inclusion. It'll be really awesome.
0: Excellent. So if anyone who's going to WealthStack, please uh, check out Brian's panel. Yeah. Cool. Brian, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Craig. Hey, it's Craig again. That was an awesome episode. Always love talking to Brian. Uh, I really had to cut it off. And we talked after um, I shut off the recording and he was saying, uh, you know, I could have kept going. Why'd you stop? And I said, you know, we we limit to a half an hour, you know, so we want to keep them wanting more. So we'll have Brian back uh, hopefully very soon to talk more about uh, AI and ML and predictive analytics. But my takeaways from this episode, first of all, uh, natural language processing is extremely tough. There's many false positives and false negatives. And it's not something you, you take on lightly, which is one of the reasons why I really liked how Brian was approaching it and how they started, you know, a couple of years ago to go through this data to clean it up and to get it uh, to feed these natural language processing systems and be able to have good output on the other end. Again, into cleaning data, the linguistics, the linguistic set that translates into a normalized state that Brian was talking about, training the models to identify patterns. This is really, I think it's given Redtail and now Orion quite a leg up in the industry when it comes to delivering real results around AI. And then there's talk about what Brian was mentioning, what they've learned from all the efforts they put in on AI, that the, the common speech patterns and identifying financial terms is a big product and how, tra- how tricky it is uh, to train your models and identifying signals because if you can, pull out the signals. That's really um, how your next next best actions are going to become valuable. And then one thing I've recommended to a couple of clients who have come to me, have come to us about uh, data, analytics, BI, and what tools will be most valuable is i want to see peer related results. And everyone really can do this even without AI. If you're a, a vendor, of any product and you've got um, reports, for example, and you've got a hundred reports, you know, the reports are, are exploding, especially vendors that have been around for 10 years or more, the number of reports you build just keeps growing and growing. But which ones are the most important? Well, how about showing your clients which, which reports are being used most by other clients that are like them, or which um, recommendations, if you're gonna have next best actions, What were the results? If you gave those results to a 1,000 of their advisors, what percentage of them closed the deal or added value or sold another product to the client based on that next best action? Those are the kind of things i like to see in the future from uh, vendors when when it comes to AI and insights and signals. Well, that's it for this episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. Thanks for listening. Please go to our website, EzraGroupLLC.com. Scroll to the bottom of the page and click on the subscribe button. Once a month, you'll get an email from us with all kinds of wealth management goodness, links, news, analysis, updates. You will not be disappointed. Thanks again and talk to you all again next time.